In its earliest days, the major function of radio was news. What's going on here? Where'd everybody go? Why don't you put on a show and charge admission? What kind of show? I would say something with music and comedy. Murder. Now you're talking. It'll be a show for everyone who loves music and murder. (laughs) Come along, old chuck. We got us a show to do. Showtime. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Ready. And away we go. It's Jackson and the Pharmacist on the Ground Control Radio Network. And hey, look at that, dude. We're on by 3.03 this afternoon. We are killing it. <laughs> we, we, everything that most people in radio don't do, which is show up on time. Right. <laughs> hey, man, we're here. We're here. Uh, I was a few minutes late today because um, as I was uh, getting ready to uh, put us on the air here, I got a call from my kid's school. Uh oh! Now you know when the, when the cell phone rings and you look down and the caller ID says school because that's what I put it in. <laughs> it's school. Did you spell uh, it correctly? Hopefully, I, I did. I did. I think. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh crap! What is this? What is this? You know, you, a couple things run through your mind. A, he did something stupid, got in trouble. I've mm-hmm. had those calls before. Uh, or B, he's sick and needs a ride. By the uh, way, just I saw this on social media. This is day one for him, right? This day two, yeah. Oh, day two, and you're yeah. already getting calls. That's yeah. not a good sign. No, and it ha- it was something that happened yesterday. So uh, they're like, "Hello," and uh, I was like, "Hi." <laughs> they're like, "The guy is okay. He's fine. He's safe. He's not in trouble." I'm like, "All right, cool. What's up?" And um, t- t- oddest thing ever, dude. It's the assistant principal, and he says, "Look, a teacher saw something yesterday at the end of the school day." Um, and Kai and his friends say they were just horsing around, you know, first day of school. And, uh, but it's one of those things that if they see, they have to tell somebody because we don't know if it's making someone uncomfortable. I'm like, go ahead. And they're like, uh, you know, end of the school day. And apparently one of the teachers saw Kai's friend slap his ass, like (laughs) slapped his butt. And I was like, and (laughs) it's a different world, man, dude. I was like, you know, immediately I shut down all the things I wanted to say because you know me, I'm a smart ass. I was going to be like, did you get him a safe space? Is he okay? Like, are you freaking serious? Are you calling me because his friend slapped his ass? What the? And he's like, well, we, you know, we brought Kai and his friend in and, and Kai's story and the, the friend's story is like they're, that they're friends and they were just horsing around. I was like, yeah. And, you know, we explained to them that. You know, when we see something like that, we have to say something because we don't know if they're friends and we don't know if that made one of the people uncomfortable. Well, I do have to say in defense of the school, they have to cover their asses so much these days that I'm sure there's a certain percentage of them that hate that they even have to make this stupid call about something so innocuous. But... As you were telling me the story, here's where my mind went. Yeah. When we're done here every day, you and I still spend some time together. Yeah. Just as buddies, as pals. Yeah. You know, just talking and stuff. Keeping the connection and going, yeah. Yeah. So yesterday, uh, Kai was supposed to have football practice. 
and he decided late that he wasn't going to go. And as you're telling the story, I thought, oh, my God, the ass slap has traumatized the kid. <laughs> That's what kept him from going to football. No, his knee was bugging him is what he said. But the, but it's funny when they wrapped up the phone call, they're like, so, you know, it's just one of those things. If we see, we just want to make sure that, you know, someone's not uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, Kai says he's fine and they're friends and they were just playing around. I was like, all right, cool. And they said, now, if he comes home and tells you something different and he is upset, please let us know. And I'm like, dude, I was like, he, the kid's been doing jujitsu since he was five. <laughs> you know, he plays on the varsity football team and he's got a lot of friends. And if, if he didn't want some dude slapping his ass or some girl slapping his ass, he would have handled it. Yeah, I said he would have handled it. And the thing is, is I don't know if it was a guy or a girl. They won't tell you who the other person was. So I don't know if it was a girl that slapped his ass. At first, I, I misunderstood and I was like, uh, did he slap some girl's ass? And that's what this is about. And I said, so he's, and they're like, no, 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 his friend did it to him. I was like, oh, okay. Well, just to protect you, it could have been a they that slapped him. That's right. A they, them, or a, mm-hmm. uh, that's, sorry, that's the only ones I know. <laughs> he can barely spell school to load it into his cell phone. So this is what we're dealing with here. Yeah. So I was, you know, I got the call like at the gym, which had me running late to get, to get home and jump on the air. Um, and I had just wrapped up uh, a noon class. I teach a noon jujitsu class at my gym. And, uh, one Any of the- ass slapping going on in that <laughs> class? <laughs> no, but we have a guy. Uh, his phone was just buzzing and ringing off the hook throughout the entire class, and he was just super, super stressed. And you could tell something was eating him. And uh, he's he's a local police officer, Chester County police officer. Oh, geez. And he's like, oh, it's that guy. I don't know if you've seen, I don't know if it's made the news there, but there's this uh, escaped killer. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I've seen it all over the place. Yeah, and he's he's a cop that's part of that search, and he's like, yeah, he's like, dude, I spent... He's like, I got stung by a wasp here. I pulled a tick off here. I'm like, what? Because he spent like 16 hours going through the woods yesterday. And then I think he said like 12 hours the day before. But they keep spotting the guy. The last place they saw him was a place called Longwood Gardens, which is out here. And uh, it's like the fifth sighting. And uh, what's crazy is they say he's desperate and obviously pretty dangerous. How Man. freaked out are you? Are you freaked out on any level? You're a He's guy far who can away. defend yourself. Well, we were joking around. I was. I said to the cop, uh, and I'll just leave names out of it, but I said to him, I was like, hey, man, you guys need any help? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, please, so I don't have to do this. He's like, because it's been hell. And I'm like, uh, I was like, can commune a couple of my buddies, throw on some tactical gear and get out there? Is there a reward? You're like Batman. <laughs> I'm like, I'll Listen do it, man. You. I got some friends that are down with this kind of stuff. And uh, we've all trained enough. We'll go out and, you know, put our lives on the line and try to catch some wacko for 10 grand. Yeah, I'll do Dude, it. I don't want to have to find another co-host. Come on. <laughs> do you have any idea how many co-hosts I went through at the last station? Oh, right, right. Oh, oh man. So, yeah, so that was, uh, you know, I hope they catch this guy. That's just crazy. He's They keep spotting him. but they You want to give him a little slap on the ass, do you? I do, yeah. <laughs> If, if you're the one who finds him, is that why you're volunteering <laughs> no, your services? No, but I'll take the ten grand being unemployed. Yeah, no you know. kidding. Uh, you know, it's funny, though, as you're telling the story, and I, I could hear a little bit of the aggravation in your voice, and I get it, because it's just like killing a mosquito with a sledgehammer for this teacher to call you over something that just seems yes. so small yeah. in the grand scheme of things. However, I will tell you, having a dad who's 82 years old who watches Fox News every day. Oh, boy. A lot of the outrage that comes out of his mouth is how much 
that goes on in school where administrations are doing things without consulting parents at all. Yeah. And that's also way too much of an extreme. But I think if I were to have to choose one of the two, I mean, you don't want a phone call every day like this cop is getting about this escaped criminal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you want to I think you'd rather be in the loop than not be in the loop. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. It's it's uh, I wasn't uh, I wasn't I think I hear. I think I hear him coming Uh-oh. in. I might have to. If, well, either that, if, if, if he makes got an escaped lunatic in the yard, if he makes an appearance, I'll have to drag him up here and have him tell us what he did. Oh, nice. <laughs> we'll see. I, Would I he the, be willing to do something? I like don't that? know. He might. I heard the dogs barking, so I don't know if that was him or the mailman, but uh, or an escaped uh, uh, yeah. Breaking <laughs> you never know to, to my house. But this day and age, that guy's pretty far away. I think at least a half hour. I hope. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, nobody can cover a half hour. Uh, yeah, but you know, yeah, you're right. You, you do want to know, and especially like if I had a daughter, I, I do. But I mean, if my daughter were still in school, right? Or if if that were like you know some sort of bullying thing, you know, you would want to know. You would want to go, hey man, is, is somebody bugging you? Is somebody picking on you? You know, or or if it were male, female, you know, somebody harassing you, you know. So well, no, I, think- I, I I get where they're coming from, but I just found it so ridiculous. I hung up the phone and was just laughing. And going, are you did they really? Is that what they called me for? <laughs> I think what our knee jerk is this because for as much trouble as the two of us got into school back when we were younger, yeah. Anytime that a teacher calls a parent, we're like, Meh. yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> it's PTSD. Yeah. I remember just please, please don't call my dad. Please don't tell him. I'll right. do anything. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and then it got me thinking about like you know things that uh, you know happened when I was younger, and. Um, you know, like it just kind of bullying things. I, I I had a flashback to playing football, and um, one of the kids one year. Cause this was I, we went through so much more when we were kids, man. And there was kind of this code, like even if somebody's picking on you, you didn't say anything, right? Nope. Yeah, you just kind of kept it to yourself and dealt with it. But I remember football practice one, and I was probably Kai's age. It was probably about eighth grade. And one of the you know kind of team bullies uh, brought a thumbtack with him. And thought it was hilarious because when there'd be a you know a tackle when uh, when they oh, pile on yeah. somebody, he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna," and he, he would stick them in the lake or the ass with this thumbtack. And I did, you know, everybody sees it and everybody's going, "Oh crap, man! I hope I'm not on the bottom of that pile." Again. <laughs> you know, but nobody said anything. Because no wonder why you ended up taking home ec. <laughs> which, which is, <laughs> Nobody's we, bringing thumbtacks to home ec. We also had a coach that um, a coach that uh, like just. No BS and was kind of a jerk off. But, like, if you screwed something up, he would say, come here. And he chewed red man tobacco. Yeah. And he'd say, come here. Give me your mouthpiece. And he would spit tobacco in your mouthpiece. Now, here's the thing. People go, oh, my God. It was like he didn't make us put it back in or anything like that. And then you'd have to walk over to the water jug and rinse out your mouthpiece and get all that crap. But we never told our parents that. If I would, and if I'd gone home and told my like stepdad, coach spit tobacco juice in my mouthpiece, he would have probably went, good, what'd you do? Mm -hmm. You know? (laughs) Why'd you have that coming? Well, here's how it became difficult for me, and none of this is going to surprise you. So when I was young, um, I, for some reason, I was allowed to skip the second grade. I was like reading very young and testing very well. And um, so I was always the youngest kid in my class, which made things 
difficult enough for me. Uh, and most of my classmates were, were pretty nice, but I, I took some abuse for that. You you know how that sort of thing goes. Yeah. So what made matters worse was once my younger brother entered the school system, and you know him as well as you know anybody. Yeah. He's got a bit of a mouth on him, a bit of a wise ass. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> and um, even then, because we've discussed the Torture Tuesday segment that we used to have for him on our old radio show, yep. where every week he would do a stunt, and he wouldn't really care if he got hurt or killed or anything because no, we, we so tried to kill him yeah crazy depressed yep nothing kills that kid yep so what would end up happening is he would come to school and he would start um verbally let's just say roasting people who are a couple of grades older than me yeah and there let's just say <laughs> i'm in the fourth grade i know what's going on yep. my brother is in the second grade yep. and he's talking smack to a sixth grader now, do you think the sixth grader is going to hit a second grader? No, the sixth grader is going to come after the fourth grader, yep. who should really be a third grader, <laughs> and take it out on him. Yep. And so I was the victim of bullying that was being instigated. By your brother. By that little son yeah, of a he's... bitch. And, he, and to him, too, because obviously I was bigger than him, and I could hurt him at home and do whatever yeah. I wanted. This was his way of getting sure. back at sure. me. Yeah, just and it was constant. And do you think I could go to me? Oh, it's the same thing. Yeah. I, I wouldn't go to my parents with stuff like that. Oh, God, that. no, no. Uh, newspaper boy. What does he know about radio? That's- <laughs> <laughs> he used to hate that. He's calling you home ec boy now. Yeah, I'm sure he is. He's, he's calling you Paul Notebook Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still spar him. Bring it, buddy. Oh, yeah. No, you know what? You could really kick his ass now. <laughs> we used to have some goes back in the day, though, man. Oh, yeah. We used to have some fun. We'd I, I on, thought- Put on the know, gloves you, and go. You would think, too, the sibling rivalry thing would be an issue for my brother and myself yeah. on the radio show, but, I mean, you, you guys physically would go at it. It would start for fun, but sometimes I think- it was off of some of the, hey, newspaper boy, <laughs> arguments that started in the studio. It's funny because, like, I remember all the good times, right? But every now and then you'll remind me, he's like, remember how much you and Kevin used to be each other's throats? And I'm like, yeah, we, we kind of were, weren't we? <laughs> but oh, that, we were a good team, man. The whole uh, the whole show there, it's like, yeah, we butted heads. But uh, in the end. One of, one of the things about working a job like that, and I'm not going to compare it to your uh, buddy there who's a police officer or anybody right. in the military or anything like that. And I don't, I don't want to say anything like, you know, uh, you're in a battle together every day in a foxhole. No, it's not like that. But it is this thing. There's this kinship that goes on. We're all getting up in the middle of the night for an employer that is treating us like crap. Right. <laughs> we are pressured to come up with something entertaining every single day. And this is the part of the job that is difficult. I had to go on the air while I was going through a divorce. Yeah. I had to go on the air after a friend of mine had been murdered. Uh, you know, and you have to come in every day and bring your A game. Yeah. And then there's the pressure of the ratings and all this other stuff and all of the extracurricular things that you have to do. I had all those uh, problems with girls. That was yeah, my yeah. 
<laughs> but the thing is, you really do form an intense bond. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because every single day, and I don't want to say you're going to war because I think that's disrespectful to people sure, sure. in the military, but every single day, oh, yeah. you've got to figure, even Dude, now, where I'm, I send you, uh, I start going through uh, to see what we're going to talk about today, I'm like, Dude, there's not a lot out there. Yeah. <laughs> and it starts to set in. Yeah. We've got a couple hours to fill with very little music. What the hell are we going to do? Uh, but, you know, it's funny. It's a, that you do create that bond. And still to this day, 20 years later, still to this day, dude, I would I would give the shirt off my back for anybody that was on that show with us. Oh, yeah. Any of them. I would, I would do anything for I'd bend over backwards for any one of them. Even the ones that I only liked a little. <laughs> the nature of the business is that, I mean, I think you can... Hear it right now. You're in Philadelphia. I'm here. Radio is so transient and people move all over the place. Yeah. So in some ways you lose touch with people, but you never lose the bond. No. no. It's like a childhood friend where maybe you don't see that person for decades. And then once you do get together, you sit down to have a cup of coffee and you pick up right where you left yep. off. And, yep. you know, 1998 or whatever. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I, we, I actually talked to a guy today that has been listening and he um I don't think he realized it, but I told him he gave, gave us the, the greatest compliment ever. And he's like, hey, man, I've been listening to the show. He's like, it's really good. He's like, you guys are super funny. He's like, you know what? He's like, what it reminds me of? I'm like, what? He's like, he's like, it's like Seinfeld. It's just a show about nothing. <laughs> I was like, dude, you have no idea. That is the biggest compliment you could ever pay, really. It's just, yeah, it's us talking about things that are relatable. Because you know? on the surface, and thank you for comparing us to the most successful American sitcom right. of all time. On the surface, it appears to be about nothing. Right. But what but there's it, a lot that goes into it. Yeah. And what, what it really is, is it's relatable. And one of the things that my wife and I say to each other all the time and we've talked about it here. There's nothing on. There's nothing on. There's nothing to watch. The only show I can watch over and over and over again, and it never gets tired for me, is Seinfeld. Just because it is so relatable. Yeah. It has such a great cast. And that's what you want. And that's what I think radio, I think that's where it has lost its way. And you and I have had this discussion mm. where... You don't really want something to sound like radio anymore because what is succeeding, whether you like Joe Rogan or not, mm. when you see what he's doing with his podcast, and yeah. uh, there are things but about I him think, I uh, like and things I don't like, but it's it's real conversation. Right, now. right. But I think the people that are still successful in the business are doing that and have been doing yes. that. Um, and that, I think well, that, we were doing that 25 years ago. Yeah, and I was doing it right up until the last minute. And it's it's one of the reasons I have so much respect for our former uh, boss, Bill Weston. Mm -hmm. um, not only do I think he's, you know, the best friggin' programmer in the entire country, and I'll I'll stand behind that. Um, and I'll back you up on that, by the way. Um, because I think he's just a genius when it comes to radio, but he had a very simple philosophy, dude, and it was like, I hire the best people I can, and then I get out of their way and let them do their jobs. Until somebody above me makes right. me fire them. Right. Because it was never him. Yep, yep. Um, so, and, and I think that is the key to success. And if you look at a lot of those heritage radio stations across the country, uh, the ones that are still like, you know, an anomaly, you're like, wow, how does this station do listen to them? Listen to them. It's the, it's the personalities. It's the people on that station. They're, they're, they're like friends. You know what I mean? They're like, uh, like yeah. during COVID, like one of the biggest compliments we ever got was people were like, you know, in this world that's gone absolutely batshit crazy. 
you guys are the only comfort I'm finding. You're the only thing that is still normal, right, is being able to turn on the radio at that same time and you're there. And plus, they were so isolated and you felt like you didn't have anybody that you could have all that much of an intimate relationship except for your family members who at that point were driving you crazy right? because you couldn't get away from them. Yeah. In that way, and especially if you did it right, you became that friend and that voice of reason. Yeah. So I definitely get that bond. That was a bond that was established. And, you know, it's like I I listen to some people today, some kind of guys that are up and coming. Excuse me. Um, Or or guys that um, maybe have been around for a while but just don't quite. I don't know if I'd say maybe they just don't quite get it yet. They mm-hmm. want everything to be perfect. Um, I know a guy, well, he'll remain nameless, but um, this guy will literally, before he goes on the air, record his breaks. And so he'll record his content, he'll record yeah, what know. he's going to talk about, and then he plays it back from a recording, and it's because he wants it to be perfect. He doesn't want an um, or an ah, or he doesn't want to give the wrong date, or the wrong, you know, and it's it's like, dude, that's not, that's not your goal. Your goal is to be human. Your goal is to be relatable. Your goal mm-hmm. is to be like, you know, the dude they want to go have a beer with. You're not perfect. Quit pretending to be perfect. And what makes, you know, a personality radio station so great is the personalities being themselves. Like if you are in Philly and you listen to Pierre or you used to listen to me, you know we effed up all the time, right? We did stupid things, and half the time that was some of the funniest content out there um, was something going wrong and realizing that there were real humans there (laughs) trying to do that job and either admitting they screwed up or or trying to fix whatever screwed up. And, and that's some of the best radio ever. And so I'm like, you, you don't want to be perfect, dude. You want to be human. Well, right? to bring it back to the Seinfeld analogy, early on when they were sitting in meetings with network executives and pitching episodes to try to explain to them, yeah, we want to do a half hour where we're waiting for a table at a Chinese restaurant and uh, it's taken them forever uh, for us to get the table yeah. and they're like well what's the what's the hook and and they even parodied it i can't even say that word parodied it parodied yeah yeah see look you can tell i didn't record that break <laughs> <laughs> uh when when they were pitching their fake show to nbc yeah where they kept trying to make it about nothing but the networks kept pushing back until they said okay a guy gets into a car accident with another guy and the judge decrees that the guy who caused the accident has to become the guy's butler and like they're, they're all that's funny but that's not real <laughs> right waiting for a table in a chinese restaurant and everything that happens around yes. that is real and relatable and yes. to speak further to what you just said because i was jumping out of my skin and i will name names because i don't give a crap anymore. <laughs> for people who record their breaks in advance my former program director who fired me who has the afternoon show on a previous station for which I worked, does that every single day. I don't get that. Then... I don't get that. What he would do is after I did my live relatable show, I would get pulled into his office and he would tell me how to do content, to which I would say, whoa, 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 first of all, all you're doing is giving inaccurate traffic reports, essentially. Yeah. And doing a little bit of weather and stuff like that. 
uh, so you're not really doing content and you're also not doing live radio. But to go back to what I was saying about Rogan versus people who are making it too much of a radio thing, a couple of my final meetings with this person who was trying to make me do something that I knew was going to fail. Oh, Jackson, you're going to appreciate this. Was it Uh, Dad Joke Wednesday? (laughs) We want to start doing uh, a dumb criminal segment. Oh, God. Where you look up stories where I'm like, yeah, no, I know. It's people who were doing that in 1982. I remember. That's radio. That's not relatable. And he did. He came to me. Dad Joke of the Day. And I said, I'm not doing that. And his response was, I don't understand. Well, you're the funny guy and you love jokes. I said, if you can't understand the difference between the kind of comedy that I want to do and what a dad joke is, I can't help you. Right. And on top of that, my biggest competition in the market, and you know them well, and my brother is their producer, yep. the Paul and Al show on HJY, one of the greatest benchmarks they have, and a benchmark is something in radio where it's appointment radio. It happens at a certain day, certain time. You tune in for it every week, and they've been doing it for 30-plus years. It's called Stump the DJ. Yep. The amount of jokes that these two guys know, you can give them any setup. They'll know the punchline of anything. Yep. And every week they have people call in trying to trip them up and trick them and deliver the best joke that they don't know, and then that person wins the prize. So I turn around, and I say to my program director... And another reason why I don't want to do something like dad joke of the day is I don't want to make it look like I'm ripping off Paul and Al when they do stump the DJ. Yeah. At which point he turns around to me and says, what stump the DJ? I'm like, you're oh, the program director and you don't know what my lead. Uh, uh, yeah. A, a 25, a 25 year long benchmark oh, in the market. God. They used to put, a, remember they used to put the joke book out every year. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that look—that's a—that's a long standing uh, bit that people love, man. They they yeah, like it. It's because, brilliant. Yeah, it's, but the thing is, you know, those guys are my friends, and you know, we we all—it's as you said, the bonds. Radio for on-air people, in many ways, is a fraternity slash sorority. It's a very small business. We all know each other. We all want each other to succeed. For the most part, there are uh, exceptions. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to have to run into Paul and Al and have them say, hey, I uh, hear you're you're doing a new joke segment. Right. They're thinking I'm ripping them off when the reality is I'm getting forced to do something I don't want to do. Yeah. I, I want to maintain uh, those relationships too. And, and even when you were like competing and competing aggressively, there was still this like uh, camaraderie, this this bond. And a perfect example is is Nick Carter, who used to do afternoons oh, yeah. on, on WBCN, and then spent the last twenty plus years at Sirius XM before he was caught up in a budget cut. Which I, that one blew me away. But, I, I do not understand. But that one he at all. commented on one of our posts, and I just thought it was uh, hilarious because he's like. Uh, He's like as much as much grief as you knuckleheads gave me back in the day. I'm really rooting for you. <laughs> like, and the funny thing is, the grief that we gave him. Yeah. And this is not going to surprise him at all. When we were at FNX um, back then, and I don't want to get too radio inside, but we we in Boston we had a three thousand watt signal. Yeah, it was poor. And we were up against BCN, uh, where Nick was, and WAF, where Greg Hill was. Like, I think our Providence signal came in better in Boston oh, yeah. than the Boston signal. No doubt. Yeah. So it was kind of a, a David versus Goliath thing. Oh, yeah. Where we were trying to grow our audience. We were the new show. We were the up-and-comers. 
So the way that you do that, especially in rock radio back then, was you would fire missile at them in the hopes that they would that fire someone back. Would call, someone yes. would call them and say, hey, Jackson and the pharmacist are talking about you. Yep. And then they would fire and, back. And, and now if you're top dog, you don't take that bait. No, right. because now you have listeners flipping back and forth, and yeah. you don't want them flipping back and right. forth. But those guys, and the reason we always attacked was because they always took the bait. They always ran with it, and they just kept increasing our listenership. But And here's the thing. We really thought they were good. Well, of course we did. No, I've got, I've got nothing but respect I, for all those I'm people. Only, I'm only going to go after the big dog. I'm yeah. not going to waste my time yeah. on somebody that's not going to bring me yeah, any well, listeners. That's, yeah. and, and I said that to Nick because we started going into a back and forth with him yep. on socials. I was like, dude, you want to come on the show? We were huge fans of yours Oh, absolutely. I, and I think you saw what I wrote to him. I was like, dude, you, you have to remember back then we were like, you were the guy, you were the cooler guy with the cooler gig, most mm-hmm. likely making more money. I was like, we were jealous of you. No you know, doubt making we more were, money. <laughs> we, were trying to, we were trying to take you on, man. You were the big dog. Um, yeah, Here's but, how I know he was making more money. I was just reminded of this the other he, day. He could eat and pay his rent. <laughs> I was talking to my wife about this because we were going over. I, I had been at a, uh, a cookout for Memorial Day, uh, Labor Day, excuse me. And I, I had a, a husband of a relative was asking me what happened in terms of you and I having been fired recently. It doesn't make any sense. You're both top rated, blah, blah, sure. blah. He said to me, uh, d- don't you have a union or an agent? And I said, well, no, I had neither. Uh, and, and, I had fired. Both. and I said, Jackson had both. And that jogged my memory. And I was telling my wife about how when you and I were making the jump from Providence oh. to Boston, we tried to New use, Hampshire, Maine, yeah, and we were Providence. About to, about to be put on a network throughout the entire uh, New England region. And so we got representation, a guy named Bob Eatman, who was a big, big agent back in the day. I, I don't know if he's still... He's, he's since passed away. I was going to... You know, I was totally going to go, is he still alive? Um, after our conversation yesterday. his still alive, yeah. Um, but Bob was great. And yeah. uh, he said... For, for, well, first thing he said to us was like, well... Um, we're not taking it for this. And he said, uh, he said, but I'll take care of this. And then our program director there, uh, came to us. He wasn't our program director yet. And he's like, I'm just going to tell you right now, if you guys use an agent, you're not getting this job. We're not dealing with one. And it's like, well, that's stupid. And then he said, because if you think we're going to pay you what Nick Carter is getting paid. (laughs) So maybe that ruffled our feathers a little bit, Nick. (laughs) Yeah. Back to the, uh, the like recording stuff. Now, see, I have two schools of thought on that. There, there are time, times, radio has changed, right? Mm-hmm. And there are times where it is completely appropriate, right? Voice tracking, you know, there's some major talents, uh, voice tracking, which, uh, for those that uh, aren't familiar with radio, it's like recording a show for another market, right? And they will, uh, say be doing middays in Chicago and they will record a night show for Tampa Bay. Right, and they put a lot of research into it, and they they get uh, connected with the locals. They'll even fly in, do trips, do everything. Uh, but they're putting a lot of work into sounding as local as possible. Um, and when they record those breaks, it's not the kind of thing where they're like they're on the fourteenth time they've recorded it because they didn't like the way they said um. You know, it's like mm-hmm. they they still do a show, right? Right. And in this day and age, in this industry, it's, it is it is what it is. You know, I would love to go back to the days where that didn't exist and everybody had a job in every market, but that's not the case. What I have a problem with is the people that like, like this person I was talking about just will do it 
10 times in a row until they think it's absolutely yeah. perfect. And stop and think about that for a second. You are being you, you are one of the rare people uh, left in this industry that has a full time live radio show. The minute they find out that you're recording mm-hmm. every single bit of content you put over the air, why on earth would they continue to pay you a salary to be live? They would be like, here's 20 bucks an hour. Go record it. You know, it's just, it's like you're, 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 you're sabotaging yourself. What is the fun in that? Well, there is no fun in that. There is no fun in that. Just trying to be perfect at everything. And sometimes when you're flying by the seat of your pants. Ah, That's the best stuff. That's when the funniest stuff happens. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think back to the numerous crossovers with, uh, with Pierre and just, (laughs) just some of the crap. We were just morons, you know, but it was hilarious and people would be, you know, everybody's response is always the same. It's like, this is what I love about you guys. This, Mm -hmm. this right here, this, it's real, you know? Yep. Um, yeah. So, uh, real radio is back on the ground control radio network. There you go. I want to say, uh, thanks to the, you know, when Brian and I first started this and had all those technical difficulties and the people that stuck through it and heard us do test shows where we were like, okay, turn this up. Okay. Turn that down. You know, we let a few people into the mix and said, look, you're going to hear us trying to make this work. God willing. You want to talk about the opposite of recording your brains. <laughs> right, right. I mean, we really put ourselves out there oh, yeah. and made ourselves look like yeah. jackasses. I was like, dude, you got to turn your gain up. You sound like shit. You we're gotta... getting sick of ourselves. Yeah. Well, you got to reverb now. Um, but for those people that stuck through, I, I can't thank you enough. And mm-hmm. the fact that we started with like 10, 15 people, and now it's up into the thousands tuning into uh, the Ground Control Radio Network uh, every single day. Um, and the more shows we do, I, I, I sign us on every day, and the more people I see listening. And uh, just huge thank you for checking it out. We do appreciate it. Um, today we have uh, a lot of Utah, a lot of Rhode Island. Utah, by the way, is where the mothership is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we always get listeners in, in, in Utah because that's where Mick and Allen, the morning show, uh, broadcast live from. Uh, of course, a lot of Rhode Island, a lot of Philadelphia today. But this one, I'm trying to figure this one out. We got like, Jesus. We got uh, several listeners from Washington, hmm. and I don't know if that's like Washington D.C. or if it's Seattle. It doesn't. It doesn't say. It's just there. It is Washington, 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 Washington. I don't know. Maybe we got some sort of uh, Do you think sort of something uh, going on in Seattle. I don't know. I'm it, wondering if there's some kind of political subcommittee that's trying to get the Ground Control Radio <laughs> Network off the air. Well, that's the thing. I don't know <laughs> if it's nervous. I don't know if it's D.C. or if it's Washington State. It doesn't say. Yeah. It just says U.S. Washington. So there you go. So if uh, that's you in uh, Seattle or, you know. Well, uh, and I think that's the other great thing, because when we started, we were fully expecting the 10 to 15 people. But we were expecting the 10 to 15 people to last for, I don't know, six months. Right. And then one day when we looked up, we were just like, holy mother of everything. Yeah. It's not yeah. sacred. But it's a testament and it's a reminder. And we've said it many times that we've always done this for you. And that's what what's made you so loyal apparently and this is where it's paying off for us and this is where we can say uh to the guy who fired me because i didn't want to do dad joke of the day right. uh, <laughs> and and by the way who you know right. the ratings are nowhere near where they need to be for that station anymore yeah. um you were wrong okay <laughs> okay so no no now i do see one that just popped up yeah we must have a bunch of uh Seattle listeners today because I just saw another one pop up that says uh, District of Columbia. So right, clearly it's it's go. it's different between Washington State uh, and Washington, the capital. Um, yeah. So is he home yet? 
My dog is out. Hey, Kai! Your dog's going nuts, which really has me worried about this fugitive that's out there. Yeah. Kai! Come here! Let's see if we can get him to tell us a story. If you're just tuning in, uh, I got a call from the school this afternoon. I want to talk to you for a second. Got a call from the... And I'm on the air, so don't say anything stupid. Uh, (laughs) No, no, please say something stupid. Got a call from the uh, school today. You can listen to this because I want to hear your side of the story. Got a call from the school today um, as I was about to go on the air, and it was the assistant principal. And he's like, look, uh, a couple guys were horsing around, uh, one of them being your son, after school yesterday, first day of school. Yes, they called me. Hold on. Hold on. Now my wife's here. I'm on the air, so just hang tight. No, because they called me, not you. And they called and said, uh, Kai is safe. He's not in trouble, but it's something that we have to report and we have to tell people about because we don't want any of the kids being uncomfortable. And him and his buddy apparently were horsing around, and your friend slapped you in the ass? Is that what it was? And somebody saw it, and they reported it. And I was like... So I'm listening to this guy tell me the story about how my son and his friend were goofing around and one of them slapped the other one in the ass and I'm getting a phone call about it. And I'm like, you know, did you give him a safe space? Is he okay? Is he all right? What? Uh, come here. What happened? Like, we, I, I'm supposed to ask you if you're uncomfortable because the principal said when he gets home and he te- if he tells you something different and says he's uncomfortable or someone's bothering him, please let us know. Talking to this. The principal didn't even, like, think that's the thing. It's just we had, like, a backup teacher, and... uh, This is why you need to go to school. (laughs) (laughs) What what, happened? Hang on a second. Jackson, maybe he should pre-record his breaks. We we were just, like, talking. What was the incident? What was the incident? he, He pretended to spank me. Oh, pretended to spank you, and somebody and saw the, it. The assistant teacher reported me, or reported him, and then they called me to the office, and they were like, "Did the, the?" But the assistant principal like knew nothing was happening because he was like, "I've been eighth grader too, or something." Yeah. And then I just said, "So oh, it was nothing." Was not it was you guys idea. goofing around? But see, they don't like the idea that somebody touched your butt. Do you feel violated? Yeah. You do. You do. Yeah. Okay. Well, by the phone call, not by <laughs> the person who was pretending to spank him. <laughs> Um, go find a safe space with your mom there and see if you guys can figure it out. <laughs> and uh, and to tell your mom that your dad's going to pretend to spank her later tonight. Yeah, I'm I'm going to pretend to spank you later tonight. <laughs> I just got the finger, dude. That didn't go anywhere. Well, that, huh? the, You're no help. That, there was nothing pretend about that. <laughs> I'm yeah. surprised you only got one. <laughs> Look, he's like, uh, and a friend, um, thing. Um, I forgot what it was like to be a teenager. <laughs> Especially being put on the spot. Meanwhile, when I when he, when he was like two, I used to bring him into the station. He was like a year and a half, two years old. I have, dude, I'll have to dig it up. I have tons of audio of bringing him into the station. And like I'd be in the middle of a break and he'd be like, Dad, I have to poop. <laughs> and I'd be like, I'd be like, Sarah, my old producer. I'm like, Sarah, <laughs> my kid's got to poop and I'm on the air. <laughs> uh, oh, that's yeah. great. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess you can't touch someone's butt anymore. Well, maybe that was never, <laughs> that was never okay. But, but the, you know, the funny thing is, yeah. his butt was not touched. No, pretending it was pre- pretended. Fight, even yeah. the act of pretending now yeah. warrants a phone call. Yeah. That, to me, makes it even a little bit more weird. I mean, I, I guess I get it. I, you know, they're looking out for the kids, and I get it. Yeah. I, I get it. But I, but I seriously was like, I, I so bad just wanted to say to the guy, is, I, is this for real? Are you really... Really? 
Uh, let's play a song. We'll do. Uh, yeah, I gotta poop. You got <laughs> Stone Temple Pilots and Big Bang Baby, and it's on the Ground Control Radio Network. Jets, cold heart bitch, and it's on the ground control radio network. Jackson and the pharmacist, good afternoon to you. Can you say bitch on the uh, interwebs, on the face tubes? I believe you just did. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then before that, of course, some Stone Temple Pilots, Big Bang Baby. I was just asking Brian if the Fleet Center is still there in Boston. Uh, it's TD the Garden now. Yeah. TD Garden now, yeah. And they used to have, I saw Stone Temple Pilots at the Fleet Center. And was, I remember being so excited to go see that show. And, uh, we they had those pillars and you you could have an ob- obstructed view and I was like God damn it you know peering around the pillar it's, well, it reminded me of that game we went to at Fenway. Well, see, um, yeah, Boston is kind of famous for obstructed view because Fenway opened the same week that the Titanic went down. Yeah, right. It did. True <laughs> yeah, story. that's absolutely true. It is the oldest ballpark in America, and they've done updates to it. It is a must. It is an absolute must. Brian was uh, actually the the one that took me to my very first game at Fenway, and then I went to, to several more. But uh, very first game, and, we, and Fenway does have obstructed views, and I think I was right behind like a steel beam. <laughs> Well, the other thing about Fenway is for as much as they try to nice it up, and they really have, I, I should get you to another game because it would blow your mind as to how much it has changed really? since you've been there 25 years ago. Yeah. Now it, they have a lot of the amenities that they didn't have, but they can't remove the obstructed view because structurally it will cause things well, to collapse, collapse yeah. on patrons, and you don't want that. No. But the other thing about Fenway is... Because it was built in 1912, or actually earlier, it opened in 1912, let's just say that um, uh, Americans were a little bit more petite back then. Yes, I, I, I remember sitting in that seat for the first time and going, you know, it is a good thing I'm about 180, because at about 190, you're not going to fit in this seat anymore. <laughs> and it's and, crazy to think that they, they did. They built it off the, the size of the average human, you know, back in 1912, and uh, that has obviously changed. <laughs> So the question inevitably comes up, well, why don't they just take out all the seats and make them a little bit wider? Well, because then they would have fewer seats to yeah, sell. Yeah. So you just have to go and be uh, do they a little still, uh, uncomfortable. Do, do they still, you know, they, I know they, they were 20 years ago. Do they still kick around the idea of building a new stadium or no? Is it just Ever like- since the ownership that came in back in 2002, who has won them all four of their championships came in, they have poured so much money and they, they realize, and especially now, yeah. with the way the team is, Fenway is kind of the star. Yeah, And if you watch Red Sox games now, and it, it breaks my heart because the team is being run so horribly by Heim Bloom, who is the president of baseball operations, they no longer have really any stars on the team. They let the likes of Mookie Betts go, Xander Bogarts. I mean, they did sign which, Devers. Which is why, it, for endorsements, you still have Ortiz on the TV. Exactly. you got Big Poppy out there selling cars, and they're like, dude, he hasn't played in how, how long? <laughs> it's, uh, it's been, what, like six years now, I think, <laughs> right. pretty much? Yeah. So uh, so when you watch a game now or even listen to one on the radio, I would say it's about 40% of the opposing team's fans making the pilgrimage to Fenway because 
the local fan has lost so much interest in the team. Yeah. And this has so long been a destination because it is a jewel of a ballpark, even for all of its quirks and some of the uncomfortable oh, seating that you they have. have to do it. have to. Do uh, and it. so uh, they could never get tickets before because I don't know if you remember the sellout streak oh, yeah, that we yeah, had yeah. that went on for years and years and years. So now it's it's kind of the, the enemy overtaking the ballpark. But since you do have that opportunity to get that done now, especially all you Philly fans, because I've been, it was known as Citizens Bank Ballpark then. Is it still yeah, Citizens still Bank? Yeah, still Citizens, okay. yeah. And it's a great place to watch a game. And, I, and you, didn't you I take me? you to your first game there? Yeah, yeah. We, we went, went to, to like the two Fi- or three. We went to see games. the Phillies Red Sox. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And Josh Beckett, who was pitching for the Red Sox at the time, yep. hit a home run, I remember, in one of the games. Another game that you and I went to, a fire broke out somewhere yeah, yeah. in the stadium. But I remember your warning to me was, dude, do not wear anything Red Sox into this. <laughs> you are going to get murdered. And you didn't. You didn't. No, I didn't. I, and I didn't cheer for anything. Yeah. I just I sat there and I enjoyed my crab fries. <laughs> They kept very, very quiet. I got to get you to. Uh, I got to get you to an Eagles game and have oh, you yeah. wear have you wear the opposing team's jersey. You want to talk about? You want to talk about rolling the dice? Do see you if you remember, make it out of there alive. You just jogged my memory. Yeah. Uh, when we were doing the FNX show and speaking of Nick Carter and I had mentioned Greg Hill. Yeah. Who now does mornings on WEEI, which is one of the sports stations in yeah. Boston. He used to do uh, mornings on WAAF. Yep. So when uh, the Patriots went into their first Super Bowl, I don't. It was the first or the second because I can't remember what exactly my brother wore when he went. Hillman had a rally in Boston, or or no, no, there was a rally for the the Patriots, sending them off to the Super Bowl. And my brother showed up, and we put a hidden microphone on him, and he was wearing the opposing team's jersey. Yeah, yeah. And he started screaming at everybody, and he was rooting for the other team. And as people were starting to swarm around him, he said, I'm from the Hillman Morning Show at WA. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody started calling Greg, and Greg started losing his yeah. mind over it. That's and, so my brother somehow got out alive. That was uh, that we, we. You want to talk about the radio wars? We had a big one with him when he was doing mornings on AAF, and he was a guy that uh, you know I I don't know why he took the bait, but he took it every time, and every time we talked smack on him, he would return the favor. And again, it only helped us because he was kind of the big dog. Well, and, I can tell you how we got under his skin. Because well, was it when, when we had somebody take a dump in the stairwell outside his studio? Well, which was which was your last day on FNX? <laughs> of course it was. Yeah. yeah, but it had nothing to do with that. No, but everybody though, thought it did. So it, I was like, yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> but the reason why we were so able to get under his skin is a guy by the name of Bruce Mittman, yes. who used to be the general manager at AAF for years and years and OB, years. And Anthony who, Rocco Bertie, he was voices. the guy. He put Opie and Anthony together. Yeah. On that station. So he knew every little thing that got under their skin. So he would feed us information yep. where he knew it would get them so angry that they would have to respond. And that's how we always seemed to get a reaction from Greg Hill. Oh, now, yeah. the thing with somebody taking a dump in the stairwell, um, he did not advise us to do that one. No. I came up with that one myself. No, but remember, <laughs> remember the retaliation for that? We mm-hmm. uh, Thankfully, I think we were both gone from the from It the was office. in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah we it was in the gone. afternoon. We were long gone out of Lynn, Massachusetts. Um, and uh, somebody, a courier, brought over a box addressed to us. <laughs> 
And they opened it up, and inside was like a dog turd or something. No, no, no. <laughs> wasn't it, it was. It was like uh, I can't remember exactly how much it was. It yeah. wasn't a dog turd. It was a an impressive amount of cow manure. Oh, and really? It, okay, so it, it was said, cow poop. All right. And it said "Love WBCN," but we knew that it came oh, from yeah. WAF because yeah. we didn't we didn't poop in BCN stairwell. Security yeah. is way too high there. <laughs> Plus, we liked Nick too much. <laughs> it, was way, it was way easy to get into AF studio. So the funniest thing happened. I forgot. To, I don't even know if I ever told you this. So I'm working on Cat Country one day, and my then co-host, Amanda, comes running in. She said, Brian, there's a call. It's coming from WAAF, and I'm getting really nervous because I, I don't know what to say, and I, th- I think you might know who this guy is. Right. And uh, I said, well, what's the issue? She said, well, it's WAAF, and um, uh, there's a country music station that is bleeding into their signal, and they're trying to find out if it's us. Okay. So I hop on the phone. How about calling an engineer, not the, the DJ well, on the air? they were live on the air with this. Right. So I'm live on the air with oh, Ray Hill. And, and did he remember you? Ooh, and that was, I'm like, oh, my God, if, is he going to recognize the like voice? Like, if he knows, yeah. Yeah, suddenly it's not going to be this friendly exchange that it ultimately was up until that point. Wow. So I, I started busting his balls a little bit, and I, I pulled what you said. Uh, people come up and say to us, I said, I've been listening to you ever since I was a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I know who you are and all that stuff. And, and we were kind of busting balls. And I yeah. said, boy, it must be kind of tough having Martina McBride segue into Slipknot <laughs> this morning on a. So we just were busting each other's balls, and he never figured out never. that it was me. No. Wow. But then I was wondering, too, once I got off the phone, the old people calling in and saying, hey, do you know who you just Yeah, right. Do you remember, because uh, now that I'm thinking about people taking dumps in stairwells, um, <laughs> Big Jim's story about <laughs> the time he was driving, and he had to go so bad, it was that was it. He was He had to pull over. And he told this story on the air, and he pulled over and went into like an office building. I don't know, Microsoft or someplace. Like, it, was, it was a big <laughs> office building, and he went into the stairwell, and and did his business in the stairwell of this office building. He's like, dude, I I had no choice. I had. And I'm like, come on. I was like, well, what did you use to? He's like, my sock. <laughs> I'm like, are this, you serious? I was like, did is- you leave it or did you at least try to? <laughs> Jim was nuts, dude. This is the unfortunate thing. Yeah, I have another it, big Jim story too. Oh, we've uh, we've got plenty of yeah. big Jim Murray stories. Um, if that hadn't occurred twenty five years ago, yeah, there would be security cam footage of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because there is nowhere you can go no. now. Uh-uh, where you're there on camera. Isn't a camera. You are on camera everywhere. Jim and I, we were all out drinking one night in Boston, and it was like I think it was you, me, your brother, Jim. I don't know if Angie was with us or not. I can't recall, but that's when. Um, some, it somehow came up that I ran track in like high school and college, and he's like, uh, "Oh, he's like, you're not fast." He's like, I, "I could outrun you," and I'm like, "Put your money where your mouth is, dude." <laughs> and he wanted to race me, and so this goes on for a while throughout the evening. He's like, "Dude, I'm, I want to race you." I was like, "Where, where are we going to race, dude?" And we were on the tee. We did it down underground on the uh, the platform. Do you remember that? Vaguely, I think I remember something else about this night. But continue. yes, well, we so we set out about a, a forty, maybe you know, probably a forty, and raced. And that the here was the deal: we didn't go money. I said, "All right, if you lose, you have to lick the pole on the inside that's of the subway." What it was, that's what yeah. I was going to say. I said, "You have to lick the pole. Put your tongue on the pole inside the subway, all the way from the bottom to the top." <laughs> And he's like, deal, you're not beating me. And I smoked his ass. <laughs> and, and I mean, I and think, Jim, I will give him credit, dude. He, he did it. He did it. 
he was like, I made a bet. I'm going to do it. And we got on the subway, and he he walked over to that pole, and he licked it from bottom to top. And I was and just I gotta like, be honest with you. Oh. I think the only way that you were able to win that wager is because those stakes were on the line. Because how many packs of cigarettes were you smoking back then? Oh, day? God. Yeah, that's right. I used to smoke back then. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And, but, and you but still I, beat him? Well, I could do a 40. I was still quick. I just but, I, but the thing is, too. Had it been any was, more than a 40, I probably would have been winded. If I were to put money on that, he was so much younger than you, yeah. and because you were smoking. But you're a very athletic guy, so that does come into play. Did but I, I do I do think that incentive for you is what it's kind of like the incredible hulk or people who get superhuman strength yeah. in, in an emergency <laughs> situation i'm not looking the, the flash not looking the hand pole in a, in a subway Something so you're usain bolt right my uh my son has done that to me over the years and most recently about two months ago he's like i could, I could smoke you old man i'm like dude it's not happening i was like look nobody roots harder for you uh, than your father, and and nobody is going to be more proud of you when you exceed uh, me in everything than your father, right? But today is not the day, boy. <laughs> and so he wanted Have to race. Have you ever tested it? Yeah, he wanted to race, and we've yep. done this several times throughout the okay. years, right? And so now he thinks, you know, he's got me. He's got me. Uh, so we go out, and uh, he goes, <laughs> smart kid, he goes, I was like, all right, let's go. We're racing from here to that pole down there. It's probably about 60 yards. And um, he says, don't you want to stretch out or anything? You're old. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, line up, punk. <laughs> We're going, right? So we go, and I smoke him, right? Smoke him. And I was walking back, you know, a little winded, and I'm just like, I'm telling you, boy. I said, not, not today, maybe next year. <laughs> I was like, and I will, I will be the happiest person you know when you beat me. And uh, he says, I want to go again. He's like, I didn't get a very good start. <laughs> and I was like, all right, fine. One more, right? So we line up. We go again about 10 yards from the finish line. And I've I'm, I'm, I'm got three, four strides on him. About 10 yards before the, the finish line, pulled my hamstring. <laughs> I still beat him. But then I was limping back, and he's like, you okay? I'm like, I'm fine, dude. Shut up. <laughs> Good, and I don't know if you saw the the pictures I posted on social a few months ago of of what that turned into that hamstring pull, the whole back of my leg from like my knee all the way up to you know the bottom of my ass turned black and blue. Oh, like, I didn't. Was, no, I don't think I saw that. No, I'll, one, s- one I'll thing, send it to you later. But it was one bad. Thing I, I do want off of this. Could you bring Kai back up because I want to know what the uh, pull on the L train tasted like. <laughs> Uh, I did not make him lick any uh, <laughs> any septipoles here. Although did you, now you did give you me, fake spank him. Now you give. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take you on the train. I'm going to fake spank you. Uh, as long as we were uh, on the topic of uh, you know Big Jim in Massachusetts in the old days, there. Did, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, uh, Dragon Pizza. Ma- Mass- oh, Ma- this yeah. thing with Portnoy. You with Portnoy? Yeah, Massachusetts Pizza Place seen absolutely booming sales after Dave uh, Portnoy branded it the worst pizza in the U.S. because he he got into some sort of viral feud with the owner. And uh, of course, Port- Portnoy is the founder of, of uh, sports and popular culture blog Barstool Sports. 
And he's been doing this pizza review thing for quite some time, right? The one-bite pizza reviews, I love these things. Yeah. And he does so many local around New England yeah. because he is a Massachusetts guy. Yeah. That's where he's from. And this was in Somerville. That's <laughs> we, we, we spent some time in Somerville. Oh, we spent some time in Somerville. <laughs> we spent some time in Somerville. And uh, he, he labeled it the worst pizza place in America and shared footage of his expletive-filled exchange with the owner there. Red is the guy's name. And uh, their business well, the now is- has blown up. They're I'm- selling out of pizza every single day. I think we need to give this some context, though, because... You know, basically what he does, he says, everybody knows the rules. You know, it's one bite, and he always takes more than one bite. But that's basically what he says. He's not going to sit there and eat the entire pizza. So as he took the first bite, he was talking about how there was a lot of Parmesan cheese on it or whatever, and uh, how it hits you in the face in a funny way. But he ends up giving the pizza a 6.4 out of 10, which incidentally, if you've ever seen him rating pizza, that's not a bad score. Sure. But that's when Red... Uh, poked his head out and just started becoming very defensive about it to the extent that he, I think, headed into this not wanting this review because he started getting into it with Portnoy about, hey, you know, when you give pizza places a bad review, you're hurting small business and all this other stuff. And then Portnoy started going back and forth with him. He's not one to back down from a fight, much like you're not one to back down from a race, regardless of anyone's (laughs) age. And uh, that's when Portnoy started getting really pissed. And that's when he said... And he said, all I've done is help small businesses, you know, kind of a how dare you thing. But now he was determined as he was flipping them off to try to hurt his business by branding it the worst pizza place in America. Well, as they say, there is no such thing as bad. That's right. That's right. So from this day forward, for all the people uh, tuning in this afternoon, I would love if you'd go out and tell everyone that this is the worst show you have ever heard. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we've already been down this road. <laughs> yes, with we have. Jackson yeah. and the pharmacist suck link. And we've told the story. I don't know if we want to relive yeah, that. We, I don't want to relive that. We, <laughs> I think we told it last week. Yeah. That's... Uh... <laughs> But you know what, I, that was really, and I, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't intentional on the owner's part, but it ended up being a brilliant move because it does become one of those things, first of all, because it went so viral, yeah. where everybody wants to go regardless of how the pizza is, but then too, sometimes when you hear something like somebody who who's very well known as a celebrity, and Portnoy is certainly that, well, if he says it's the worst, I, I got to try this, I got to yeah, see if it's right. as bad as, as he says it is. Um, so I think there's a little bit of that going on, too. Yeah. So do you have a favorite pizza place in Boston? I don't really. First of all, I'm old, and I don't really travel that far for pizza <laughs> Let's remind people that Brian doesn't leave his house and doesn't well, make yeah, eye contact with but other humans. Do you, find, do you find this now, too, when you hit a certain age? And, and my wife and I are definitely this way. There are nights where you have to have a date night. You got to do it. I don't right. care how long you've been with somebody because you, you've got to keep things exciting a little bit. So one of us will turn to the other and say, "You want to go out somewhere tonight?" And we'll invariably say, "Yeah." Well, where do you want to go? I don't know. You decide. No, I don't know. You decide. But the one thing that we always end up saying is nothing outside of a fifteen-minute radius away from here <laughs> because I, I'm just I'm too old. I, I'm too tired. I, a long drive back and a long drive there. I, I just I can't do it. So I don't feel qualified to pick my favorite pizza place in Boston. But I will allow for you to maybe give some advice. In I Italy. have I have some uh, some of my favorite places uh, throughout New England. Um, in Boston, it was Santarpio's. 
Out, oh, by, yeah, the, out by the airport. That's that's an excellent choice. Santarpios is is was my all time favorite, and uh, used to to go there as often as I could. And in Providence, it was Fellini's. Oh, yeah, Fellini's is. And, I would say now because there's and been it's a still couple there. places that have gone out of business. Not only is it still there, now they have a couple of them. Yeah. Oh, did yeah. do they really? Yeah. I just noticed last time I was in Providence, which is about a month ago. Um, uh, I love Fellini's. And I was, their I, buffalo chicken pizza. There yeah. is nothing in this world. Uh, dude, that comes out leaving of bars late at night. It, like we used to go over to Goff's, which now is like condos. Um, remember, it used to just be that yep. bar in the parking lot, and we'd go over to Goff's and drink all night, and then we'd uh, we'd head over to Fellini's, and oh, dude. Bellinis. And in in, um, in Philadelphia, it's Lorenzo's on South Street, by far. My absolute favorite. I And I don't even know if it's the best. There's just something about that. It's South Street. Uh, it's it's where you go, you know, after a night of being out. Uh, you see a show at the TLA or maybe at Dobbs and the old Dobbs. And you'd head over to uh, Lorenzo's. And, and it was and it, the, it's a slice of pizza as big as your head, dude. It takes – they give you a slice – um, and they, they only do one thing, cheese pizza, period, end of story. Yep. Don't ask for anything else. That's all they've got. And the slice is as big as your head, if not bigger. And they put it on two paper plates because one paper plate is not enough to, to hold There was it. a place that was actually over the line in Connecticut that is no longer there that was called Kickapoo Pizza. And they would do things other than cheese pizza, but they were famous for, and I had never seen this from any place ever. Yeah. Their cheese pizza is better than anything that you can get there that has a topping on it. It was unbelievable. Like you, you, the topping would somehow ruin just the plainness of that cheese pizza. And speaking of Fellini's too, I was always hoping that Portnoy would go and do a one bite review there because I wanted to see what he would think. And he didn't end up going there, or at least not that I've seen, but he, I don't know if you've ever been to in Providence, Antonio's pizza, Mm. which is like on the East side over near Thayer street. No, I don't think I've ever tried that place. Because I would say that's maybe a close second to Fellini's. Well, I used to go to the place up on uh, uh, in uh, Little Italy there, the uh, uh, up on Federal, uh, Federal Hill. The and Bob and Tim's. It, no, it was the one. That it was they, they. It was almost like a deep dish, uh, and they made it. It was in a rectangle square. You know. Oh, are you Caserta? Caserta. There you go. Still Thank there. You. Yeah. Is it really? Still there. Yep. I love Caserta. Yeah. That's, it's that's different. It's, you know, it's a different pizza. But but, but uh, Portnoy did end up reviewing Antonio's and gave it a, a pretty good review. Have you ever seen him do a review of a place in Philly that you really like where you're kind of like you had an investment? in? No, I don't follow say. him that heavily, to be honest with you. I just randomly come across his stuff. I should. Probably well, now that you know that he's screaming at people and flipping them off. Yeah. Now I'm <laughs> now, down. Now you, you hooked me. I'm ready to check him out. And, you want to uh, race him? Um, and where did we go for cheesesteaks when you were here? Oh, geez. I'm trying to remember. I still have a photo of it. No, I mean, you know, I think we did the tourist thing for you. We went to Pat's. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Yeah, we did go to Pat's. I remember it now because you wanted to put ketchup on it and I wanted to punch you. No, 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 no. I, I would never put ketchup on it. What, that, it wasn't that's sacrilege. <laughs> you sure it wasn't you? I'm positive. I okay. would never put yeah. ketchup. I mean, it could have been hot sauce or something. Or maybe like you were joking around about wanting yeah. to put ketchup on it. No, no. Um, no my favorite is uh, Jim's on South, which they're rebuilding, by the way. It burned down. But uh, I think I saw something the other day that said they'll have it open by fall. So. But that Jim's or Chubby's um, or Delisandro's up on Ridge. Are, Every are time I'm in Philly, places. I have to get a cheesesteak, even if it's at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just I'll get it there. Because I uh, I made my kid cheesesteaks for dinner last night. 
yeah, yeah. We make them at home, man. We do them right. We do them. I get to I get some like really super thinly sliced ribeye from my buddy at uh, Personal Gourmet. Uh, which, if you follow me on socials, you know that uh, I post a lot of stuff for him. Did we just buy some stuff from him that we gave to Ben? We did. We did. Yeah, yeah okay. best best steaks I've ever had. And we got to ask Ben what he thinks. Yeah, yeah. I, I would love to hear what he thinks because those are my the ones we sent him as a thank you are my absolute favorites. They are the Spinelli's. It's like the the tip of the ribeye. Really hard steak to find. Like you're not going to find it in the grocery store, but uh, he has them and they're just they're expensive, but they're oh, oh so good. So when you made the cheesesteaks for Kai, uh, what kind of ketchup did you? Uh, stop. No, it's thinly sliced uh, ribeye, right? So yeah. really good meat you got to start with. Um, we don't do it with, so we're not doing onions or anything. But um, but then I, I cook it up and throw it on a, a, a Amarosa roll and then cheese whiz. you got to do cheese whiz, man. I'm I was going to a- ask because there are a lot of people. I know that can be a controversial thing. In, in you, know, you were mentioning the ketchup. Like Some people are all in on the cheese whiz and some people Well, no provolone or cheese whiz, right? Yeah. So you've you got to decide. But I've always been a whiz guy. I like it. you know. And I do wit whiz. So I, I will do onions. Um, but my kid does not like onions. He just wants the, the meat and the whiz. Based on my physique and my health practices, is it uh, allowed to get the provolone and the whiz? That's a good, that's a good question. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone ask that. You know what? That's uh, For anybody listening out there, hit us up on Facebook, Jackson and the Pharmacist, J-A-X-O-N and the Pharmacist. Let us know okay. if anyone has ever said, can I have both? <laughs> provolone and let's, whiz. Uh, let's play a little game now, too. Yeah. True or false, the pharmacist is on cholesterol medication. Oh, true. <laughs> true a thousand times over. For how long? For how long have I been on yeah, cholesterol yeah. medication? God, it's got to be like five years now. My doctor is always like, you know, you should take this. He's like, it's it's just like a vitamin these days. I'm like, what? No, that's a medication no. you got to be on for the rest of your life. Hang, he's like, no, on. he's like, in this day and age, this is just like taking a vitamin. Let Preventative. Me, I'm like, Let right. me bring you to the dark side, as I did with our good friend, Ted Lemire. Yeah whose son that you have just put into a, an institution at this point. Yeah, <laughs> I, I revealed on the air that, that uh, Tad's young son, Tad is an old friend of ours, radio friend, he does a morning show down in Atlanta, and I revealed on the air uh, last week that in apparently he was listening with his kid in the car, young child, how old is he? Uh, grammar school age, I don't yeah, know Grammar exactly school age, and I revealed that uh, Tad had been married before. <laughs> his kid didn't know. Daddy, you had another wife? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we probably should have pre-recorded that break. Uh, yeah, right. Um, so, so let me bring you over to the dark side, as I did with Tad when it came to cholesterol medication. Yeah. I said to him one day, uh, I said, do you realize this is like you getting a superpower? Because when you start taking cholesterol medication, you go back to being able to eat whatever you want. I think that's kind of true, because it blocks because it. Because I... I <laughs> There is a sandwich. If we want to start start talking about food and some of the best like sandwich places and uh, pizza places uh, all around the various regions, which now I guess we're totally alienating everybody in Washington and the UK. Sorry. <laughs> there, there's a sandwich place. It's kind of a chain. There's a few of them in Rhode Island uh, called Jay's Deli, mm-hmm. and they have a sandwich called the Portfolio. Let me tell you what's on the Portfolio, and I went a few years without having a Portfolio because I wasn't on the medication therefore i did not have the superpower right it is pastrami Mm. it is cheese it is blue cheese dressing and there's bacon on it oh yeah (laughs) it's gotta have bacon and um 
as I've been on the cholesterol medication, I have to go for blood work from time to time. And I can tell you that I'm back up on the portfolio horse, not to say that I'm eating one even once a month. I might have one a year or two, but uh, I'm back eating things that I had to avoid forever. Sure. And my cholesterol numbers are, are that perfect, of a right? taut 11-year-old yes. boy. Love it. <laughs> Love it. And, and, and since Tad has joined the dark side, I've never seen him happier. He said, you were absolutely right. I'm back to eating all of the things that I love. Right. And I don't have to worry about it. You know, because I, now, cholesterol yeah. is no longer my nemesis. Superpower. It's my friend. Yeah. I um, I, sitting here talking about food. I was trying to... I'm hungry now. Um, but there's a place in Camden, Donkey's... That does a cheesesteak, but it's not your traditional cheesesteak. They put it on a round roll, for one. Hmm. Um, and I'm not even sure. Is it like a Kaiser roll? Maybe somebody can help me on that one, because I've never been, but I've constantly heard. Kaiser, hear, it could, yeah, if it's a round roll, it could be a Kaiser. Um, but I'm constantly hearing about donkeys in Camden, and it that it's worth the trip over the bridge. And it's been on my list of things to do. I think Sarah finally went over there one day and said it was really good, but I've, Jackson, yet, I've yet to go. Take me with you. <laughs> You want to make a trip to Camden? I'll bring my own provolone and whiz. <laughs> will, you bring, will you bring a gun? <laughs> I'll, I'll bring an extra cholesterol pill for you. Uh, oh, thanks. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, I say we play a song here. Can I ask you a question? Yes, absolutely. How is it that, how many shows would you say we're in in this latest uh, incarnation of Jackson the Pharmacist? 12 to 14? Yeah, yeah, 10 to 15, somewhere. Okay, uh, could you explain to me why, over the course of 10 to 15 shows, we have never, ever played a Van Halen song when I am hmm. one of the hosts here on the show. Hmm. First of all, let's take a guess as to who has been choosing all of the music every single day. But come on, can you throw yeah, well, Daddy it's, a it's, bone? It's, it's because I picked the best music. Oh, don't you start with me, young man. <laughs> Maybe I'll throw some Van Halen on for you today. I just got right. to dig it Maybe. up. Maybe. I gotta, Thanks. Well, I got to dig wait. it up. Here's the deal. You know, you're like, going to pretend to play Van Halen. I'm no. seeing, sensing a theme on this show here. When, People uh, pretending to get spanked. When, when we started this, you know, uh, the soft launch. Rob has got the the station's library, but we don't really have access to it yet because mm-hmm. he's he's not finished doing whatever he's got to do. I'm not going to get into the whole thing. But he was like, he was like, can. I was like, don't, don't worry about it, dude. I'll just play the music. I was like, you know, I, I know what we play on the station, uh, and I got uh, I got plenty of music here, so I'll just play it. So we're not really following what the station uh, is doing. I'd much rather do that because then it would all be right there at my disposal. But um, I am going to do something better than Van Halen, Brian. There's no such that's blasphemy. There is. There is. No, it's no. Tool. Yeah. No. Sorry. Yeah. No. Yes. Yes. Uh and this song may be... How long has Tool been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Shut up. <laughs> this may be uh, maynard with a refreshing break from songs about anal sex, but I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's the Ground Control Radio Network. That's Tool. H. One of my all-time uh, favorite bands to see live. Love seeing Tool shows live. Oh, so good. Last one I was at, uh, my buddy was uh, sitting next to me, and I'm pretty sure he ate uh, uh, mushrooms. <laughs> I think the whole show, he was like... <laughs> We're not talking about sautéed mushrooms no. that you might get on a cheesesteak. After, after the show, he was like, dude, it was good, but the whole time I just wanted to leave. I just wanted to get up and go. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, you probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I've had a few of those first dates. Uh, right, right. Uh, I don't. You know, this. We were just talking about this off the air. That all signs point to a big rise in COVID. And I was telling Brian, it's like I don't even know what to believe anymore. I just feel like there's so much mixed messages out. So many mixed messages out there, and uh, everyone is so divided on this crap now that. I don't even know what's real anymore. It's like you got half the crowd out there going, don't fall for it. They're just trying to shut us down on an election is coming up. And, you know, and then half of me is like, yeah, don't be an idiot. That's not what they're doing. And then the other half of me is like, is that what they're doing? <laughs> I mean, that, well, and I, I think I, I get that. It wouldn't surprise just, me at all because, you know, what's government. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. They're always trying Crooked. to pick something up. Well, they're always trying to make something a political football, an mm-hmm. issue mm-hmm. to get people all worked up about something, which I think is really what has created all of these problems. Yeah, because you don't know what to believe anymore. And everything is politicized. Like you said, it's just it's just a way way to get them on uh to get you on their side so when elections roll around you'll pick a side and <sighs> so to me i will say this on the flip side yeah. as i look around in my personal life and i think this is maybe the healthiest way to approach something like this anecdotally mm. and i don't know if it's the same thing for you i am noticing that a lot more of my friends and it hadn't happened in i don't know probably six months are starting to get COVID again. Well, there's no doubt that it's that it's coming back around. It is the season, right? It's just like the flu or any other well, virus. Well, and there's, there's this new be strain hot, yeah, that's hot. out now too. And 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 never mind my friends, but uh, James Hetfield just they had yeah, to cancel a right. show because he has it. Yeah, Oprah apparently has it. Jill Biden has it. Whoopi Goldberg had to miss the first episode of The View because she has it. So, again, uh, there are some people who would like to dismiss all of that. And I'm not going to dismiss that out of hand, nor am I going to dismiss out of hand that, yeah, maybe the government wants to make this an issue to get people to the ballot box. But as with anything, I think there are extremes when it comes to something like this. Do I honestly think that the government wants to necessarily um, take liberties away from us again and shut all the businesses down and make everybody wear masks and all this other stuff. I I don't necessarily know that that's going to be good for anybody politically at this point. And I think we're a lot more educated. And that's not to say we're fully educated on COVID, but we're a lot more educated now than we were when all hell broke loose and we knew nothing. And I'm getting ready to get on a plane and I'm noticing... That a lot of my friends who are getting COVID have recently traveled. And it's that whole recirculated air thing. You're in this narrow tube for hours at a time with all kinds of people, some who are considerate, some who don't think COVID is a big deal. So if I have the sniffles, I don't care. I'm going to hop on a plane. Nobody's going to tell me what I need to do. Right. And, And I'm going with a buddy. I'm meeting a buddy in Los Angeles. And from there, we're going to Catalina Island. And now he's all over the map. He's like, well, I, I don't know if I want to go at this point. And I don't know if I want to sit on a plane wearing a mask for four hours. He's flying from uh, Chicago. Right. And, and I don't know if I want to get potentially stuck at a hotel where I have to pay for five extra days if I do have COVID and all this other stuff. And that's where it's starting to affect my life, where it's starting to make me a little bit crazy. Sure. And, I, and I get worked up about a lot of things. No. <laughs> 
but, but you know, some something like this in the past, I, I've got bigger fish to fry. Although I will tell you, I lost my mom to COVID, so yeah. uh, I will always have that in the back of my mind. I, I don't think if I get COVID, I'm going to die. I got it when I came to see you in I November. We, we both had it, yeah. And, and for anybody who will tell you that it's nonsense, um, it, it wasn't nonsense. I can't recall something that has knocked me on my ass. Yeah, it sucked. for five days like that did. Yeah, it sucked, and I was. Um... I was uh, just exhausted, dude. Like, and that I was the no thing. I energy. couldn't move. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I would wake up in the middle of the night with like the, I'd be, wake up and be completely drenched in sweat. And then I'd wake up an hour later and be shivering. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just had this constant like nonstop headache. Um, yeah, it sucked. It was not fun. It wasn't the end of the world, but it was not fun. And it, for me, it was super frustrating because I was going to help my mom in South Carolina and she had to have a minor surgery done, but she needed me to come down, get her I to remember. the hospital, yeah, and get her home. And, you know, that was, we got COVID about 10 days before I was supposed to do that. So I was like, all right, 10 days, I'll definitely test negative before. And she's old and on oxygen. It's like, I can't give oh, my yeah, mother COVID. She'll, ne- she'll never make it. So, um, you know, up until like day eight, still positive. Day nine, still positive. I'm like, God dang it, man. This, and, uh, I finally decided on day 10, I woke up, I was supposed to leave, and I decided to go ahead and go, and I said, you know what, I'll just turn this into a two-day drive, I'll drive to Virginia, I'll stay overnight, and then hopefully the next morning I'll get a get an all clear, because it's, you know, I'm thinking 10 days, man. Um, so sure enough, I test positive, I drive down to Virginia, um, and the next morning from the hotel, I was like, if I test positive, I guess I'm turning around and going home. If I test negative, I'll go. And I tested negative, finally. I was like, oh, thank God. I think you're forgetting what was the most devastating day for you. And I received the first phone call where you said to me, dude, I can't taste wine. Yes. <laughs> that, that took a couple days to kick in, remember? Mm-hmm. It was, uh, you know, I, I, it, it, the first couple days I was like, well, this, you know, I'll survive. This sucks. It's like the flu. And... I think about three, four days in, I like poured a glass of red wine with dinner, and I sat down and I took a sip, and I was like, what the? I took another sip, I was like, what the? And then I smelled it, nothing. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so I could For not. as much as it knocked him on his ass, he still kept drinking. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> could not smell it, could not taste it. I love food. I love wine, love beer. And that was super frustrating to, like, you know, make grill some steaks and have a glass of red wine and, and not be able to taste it. And we, my biggest fear was that it was going to linger because I had an old intern named Robbie and he got COVID early on and I met up with him for a coffee when he was back in town for a couple days and it had been like eight months since he had COVID and he still didn't have his taste or smell back. We know somebody who got it in 2021. They still don't have it. Oh, back. dude, that just sucks. And uh, that, uh, to me, I mean, obviously, there's <laughs> things that would be a, a lot worse than people lost their lives and everything. I that and thank God I never lost the uh, the smell or the taste. Like you, I just I'm I'm a lover of what a portfolio and a cheesesteak <laughs> tastes like, <laughs> right. and, and even sweet sweet wine. Oh my God, that's got to drive people crazy. But I also knew somebody who lost it for about a year, and it did eventually come back. But before it came back. The thing was, they they had this weird metallic taste in their mouth for like a month. 
And then I, one I've day, heard of that. Yeah, yeah. It, then one day it was just all the cylinders were firing and everything was fine. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. For, I was definitely afraid it was going to last. And um, it only lasted like three or four days. And I got oh, my taste back. Too Thank bad. Thank gosh. But I was like, in, I ran into the kitchen and I was pulling things out of the refrigerator and like sticking my nose up to him, opened a jar of peanut butter, stuck my nose up to him like, <laughs> you know. And then I finally opened like a bag of coffee and stuck my nose in it. It was like, Damn it! <laughs> Nothing. And if it were happening today, Jackson would say, "Put me on the diarrhea plane." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Uh, you know, hot on the heels of uh, the beloved Jimmy Buffett passing away, I read an article today that said, um, "You're not going to believe this. He didn't drink margaritas. <laughs> he was not a, a fan of margaritas. How? How are you, Jimmy Buffett, and you don't drink margaritas?" It's funny, you and I were talking about the online show Hot Ones recently. Yeah. And the guy, Sean, who is the host, who incidentally is a brilliant interviewer. I think that's something that is very often overlooked. This guy does his homework when he does that show. But he said the bane of his existence is, and for people who don't know anything about the show, they bring on these high-profile celebrities, and there are 10 chicken wings in front of them. They're all hot. And with each passing one, the Scoville units increase and it yep. becomes hotter and hotter and yep. hotter. And the trick is for the celebrity to, first of all, try to get through the whole interview and be able to be eloquent while they're eating this and, and then get to the end. Yeah. So uh, there has been, I think, 21 seasons of this show. And he said, when I tell you, I can't go out to any public place, especially a restaurant, without somebody sending me over a complimentary plate of hot wings and he's at a point in his life where if he even has to look at another hot wing (laughs) he's going to keel over and die and i wonder if there's any element of that to jimmy buffett for when it comes to margaritas and cheeseburgers for that matter for cheeseburgers in paradise right well the further i read I, i i don't think this is an accurate headline because it seems to me he likes Real margaritas, the original uh, margarita. I saw this. He doesn't like how they've become so sweet. Right. He said they've gotten too sweet. He said, I like lime juice, not a lot of sugar, and uh, tequila. And he said one at one point he saw somebody drinking what was called a redneck margarita, which mm-hmm. was uh, Mountain Dew and bad tequila. And he said, oh, that's too far. I'll never do that. Um, but, yeah, he said he was just a fan of real lime juice and, and tequila, which isn't, isn't that the original margarita anyway? And uh, then he went on to say now he just prefers a good tequila with a lime. I'll agree with that. I love a good, like, sipping tequila, like an expensive sipping tequila. You know, not mm-hmm. one where you're going to do a shot. Where it'd almost be sacrilege if somebody said, let's do a shot of that. No, dude, that's a that's like a fine bourbon. I will tell you there aren't is that I will say no to. I mean, if it is too sweet, that does... Uh kick the gag reflex into hyperdrive yeah. occasionally. But um, there is something interesting to be said here about any version of celebrity where inevitably, if you do something long enough, you become known for it. And to that degree, it almost becomes the bane of your existence. And I'm sure with all the years that you were on MMR, there had to be some things that every time somebody met you, they either talked to you about it, asked you about it, yeah, yeah. Uh, made an observation about it, sure. uh, asked you to do something about it. Yep. For me, the weird thing was 
I got known as the guy who I, I would never, except when it was extremely cold and the snow was a certain height, I would always wear flip-flops. And that wasn't because I'm some kind of a beach bum or whatever. When you're getting up at 3 in the morning, you're trying to minimize right. um, <laughs> how much time that you have to spend getting yourself ready. You want to sleep until the last possible second, and it's just a lot easier. And leave yourself slip- time for an iced coffee at uh, dunk. <laughs> Right. Or some people show up at 7 and still have the ice yes. on. <laughs> so sliding flip-flops on, it was just a lot easier. But then people started to notice that I was wearing flip-flops. And then it got to a point in my life where even if I wasn't at an event, I would always have to put the flip-flops on, even if it was February, because invariably people would come up to me and the first thing they do is they'd look at my feet to make sure I was wearing them. Yes, right. And I'm like, excuse me, my eyes are up here, right. first and foremost. <laughs> <laughs> but after a while, I was like, oh, if, if I could be known for anything else, because it would drive my wife crazy. I'd be out somewhere freezing. She's like, why are you doing this to yourself? And the answer for me was because I hate talking to people and I don't want to have to explain it. I would just <laughs> rather they see it and move on. Yeah. That's why. Mine was uh, my great ass. Everybody's like, Jackson's got <laughs> such a great ass. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Wore this for you today. Hey, uh, remember a follow-up to that story yesterday about the Delta plane where a passenger had severe diarrhea? We played the audio for you yeah. where the pilot was saying we have to we have to turn around and land because someone had diarrhea throughout the entire cabin. Oh, you know, you, you think how horrible that is. And then, you, then I, like I was saying yesterday, I almost feel bad for the person it happened to because it's not something they would wish upon their worst enemy probably. I, I had a further update. I heard it this morning, and it was um, – you know, it's the kind of thing if you have to go to the bathroom really bad. Yeah. And like as you pull into your driveway, it gets like way worse. Of course. Uh, apparently this person was making his or her way up the aisle and looked up and, and saw the door and was about five rows away. And that was enough for this person's brain to trigger and say, it's time. <laughs> and so it was a trail of it all the way up. Uh... It was like... Uh, what was it, Hansel and Gretel leaving a horrible form <laughs> of breadcrumbs Follow all this. the way from row five up to the lavatory door? What and that's is it? Where the problem what started. is it about our brains that does that? Like I've had to, I've been in the car and just made it home and had to pee so bad, you're like back teeth are floating. You're just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and you get out and as soon as you start going towards the door and trying to unlock the door, it gets like almost to where you're going to piss yourself. Like your listening. brain kicks in and says now, and you're like, no, not, 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 not now. <laughs> I was listening to Toucher and Rich this morning, yeah. and I believe it was Fred who said, "We are told that we only." What are you doing, use- listening to a Beasley station? I like those. <laughs> I like those guys, but they got to find a new station. Yeah, no, you know, you're right. I should not be supporting <laughs> in that way. Although I, I have to. No, you got you got to support those guys. Yeah, yeah, and I'm still listening to Big Jim Murray. So of course, there you go. Yeah. Um, but he said, we're constantly told that we're only using like 10% of our brain. <laughs> he said the 90% that we know nothing about, that's the thing that makes you start pissing as you pull it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe it. it. Says, yep, it's time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've been standing there like jumping up and down, twisting and going, Oh my God. Oh, Jesus, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> it's just horrific. Terrific. Has there ever been a day where you did not make it? Like um, this I was when I was on point? my road trip and I had to go really bad. And as I got closer to this like rest area, it kept getting worse, and the brain kicked in. It was like now, now, and I I literally took one of my like Yeti water things uh, as I was driving and pissed in it. Yeah, I couldn't. I could so, not. So make it wasn't it. in the pants. No, least. but I could not make it another minute. 
not another yeah. 30 seconds. Can, can you imagine that poor person on that plane hitting row six oh, and then God. suddenly realizing this is happening? <laughs> this, yeah. this is not a drill. Right. Well, it was headed en route, to, uh, in, en route from Atlanta to Barcelona to Spain. Yep. Yeah, that was going to be a long, long time before you got to your <laughs> private bathroom, buddy. Um, and they had to turn around because of the severe diarrhea that was all throughout the plane. And Did you see the photos? No, I did not. There was like a little stretch where they tried to put paper towels down. Oh, God. Um, this was not a bounty quicker picker upper situation. This, this had to go through their clothes and everything. This was, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, this yeah. was horrific. And um, it, it, they say, yeah, the gross images from inside the cabin showed the mess in the middle of the aisle with dozens of passengers nearby having to abandon their seats. And uh, I guess the staff uh, and some passengers tried to use like vanilla scented disinfectant spray and everything. But it took them five hours to clean it up. They said that they actually had to rip up a bunch of the carpet and just replace it on the plane. Can you imagine? Oh. Would, if uh, if you were booking that airline in the future, would your first question be, I'm not on the poop plane, am I? Right. <laughs> well, or, or like the plane I told you about yesterday with my daughter, where the guy, <laughs> the guy just whipped it out and peed in the aisle right in front of her. It's like... Well, and not only that, I saw another story today. Air Canada had to issue an apology to two passengers who got escorted off the plane. I saw that. After they were being forced to sit in seats where on the previous flight, the seats were covered, covered in, in vomit. vomit. Yeah, somebody had thrown up and they, they were not able to clean it up very well, um, you know, on the, the when the plane landed and new passengers came on. And they were like, hey, we don't want to sit in this. There's still vomit in it apparently the smell was really bad too and they made them like sit on it and then and i guess they were firm but not rude but the airline um you know basically they said that the pilot came back and said you have you have two choices you can get up and get off this plane you know voluntarily or we can send people in here to put you in cuffs and take you off and it's like dude <laughs> but they did make an apology right they they did yeah um but I, I'll tell you, this break started with me telling everyone that I was afraid to fly in a couple of weeks because of COVID. Right. I, I, based on all of these stories. Vomit and diarrhea is your yeah, problem, and, buddy, and, not and COVID. And people peeing on the plane in front of your daughter. COVID <laughs> is the least of my problems on these flights. <laughs> if you missed it yesterday, I was talking about, I had taken a flight to the Dominican with my family, and my daughter was there. She was in a different row towards the back of the plane. There were some heavy drinkers on this plane. This was a party plane. Go figure, a plane leaving Philadelphia, going to someplace tropical, uh, is going to have a lot of people drinking. Yeah. Um, and one guy got tired of waiting for the bathroom and was just S-faced. And uh, my daughter's in the very back row. And he just had enough and just whipped it out, peed on the floor right there in the aisle right in front of her. And I called and complained because nothing happened to the guy. They threw down some paper towels. They let him get off the plane. They let him leave. Right. And so I was like, well, you know what? I'll probably get a free flight out of this. So I write a letter. <laughs> I was telling Brian they gave me like 10% off my next flight. <laughs> Well, that was Frontier. By the way, I'm not flying you again. Ten <laughs> percent uh, off. I'm still steaming about that. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, you exposed yourself to my daughter. Speaking of Frontier, I'm at a point now. Spirit Airlines is going to have to pay me to get on one of their flights. I can't believe you would ever get on a Spirit flight. Those are horrific. Well, when I flew down to see you, I didn't have a job. I, I've done it once. I, I flew Spirit from Atlantic City to Myrtle Beach. 
And yeah, that that that's where they charge you to like bring your wallet with you. <laughs> like seriously, <laughs> you can, like is- it, oh, you, uh, it appears you're wearing jewelry. We're gonna have to charge you for that. Uh, that's considered baggage. And, and we were talking about Fenway and how the seats were yes. built in 1912. The seats on Spirit Airlines, I'm suspecting, were also engineered in 1912. Because even if you want to get, I I, I was so crammed in. I couldn't even open a book up to read. Right. That's how bad it was. And I was so concerned about money at the time. Before I got onto the flight, they did this thing because, like you said, it was a series of upcharges. They said for an extra $20, if somebody wants to sit in the emergency exit row, you will have much more in the way of seating room. And I said to myself, well, that's not the fiscally responsible thing to do. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. (laughs) On the flight home, if they had said you have to pay $250 to sit in the exit row uh, with the door open, I I would have paid the $250. (laughs) It was that bad. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember all the upcharges. That was the big thing. You know, tons of upcharges, super tiny seat, sketchy plane. I flew on a super sketchy plane. Um, to Mazatlan one time, and it was like a station thing. I was doing mornings in Salt Lake City, and they wanted to send us to Mazatlan. And so, uh, you know, my, girl, uh, yeah, was, my <laughs> girlfriend and that's I. That's how they fired you back in the day. Yeah. They sent you to Mazatlan. <laughs> so we flew on. It was one of those planes, that, like I think it said, you know, American, but it wasn't. You walked out, and it was some plane that had some name you've never heard of. On it, was, it. You know, it the ones where American, they, where they like, partner with somebody? Right. You've seen that, right? Uh-huh. It was and, American, and, and the first letter was an E. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And this plane, like, the, the rattling and the way the seats and wings shook and everything when it took off, it was like, oh, my God, we're going to die. This is horrific. And when it landed, it was like, thank God. Dude, I mean, it just it literally sounded like it was coming apart on takeoff and, and landing. Uh, and somebody, Mazatlan is, like... Don't waste your time. Like, there are so many uh, – Cancun's better. Uh, um, uh, Cabo's way better. There's so many better places. You land in Mazatlan, and you're like, I don't know, a good 45 minutes from, the, I guess, the, the tourist strip along the beach, and they drive you through – Oh, my God. Some uh, of the things that you see you, They drive the you through the parts of Mexico where you're like, oh, my God, this is poverty. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you're just praying that the the van that's taking you from the airport to the resort's not going to break down because that'll be it. Yeah, you're done. That's uh, that that'll be the end of that morning show. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. My, and Mazatlan was also the place I told you about where um, we were leaving, and they don't have security. They don't have like metal detectors or. Um, it's the honor system. No, it's it's really weird. They have a bunch of employees lined up at like card tables. They lay out these card tables. You walk into the airport and there's like, you know, eight people in a row and you put your bag up on the card table and they open it and go through it and pass it to the next person who goes through it, uh, goes through it and then to the next and they go through it and it's like by hand they search every single bag and you're like so instead of putting it through the x-ray machine they didn't have one they're just doing so so then what happens now you know you go uh after you get through that process you step into the big tube and you put your hands over your head in the diamond they right. say okay one person takes your shirt off yeah. one person takes your socks off yeah. one person removes the belt uh, i mean good god it was bad it was bad and um i had spent a week um uh, 
well, not quite a week. There was like four or five days in Mazatlan in 100-degree heat, you know, and it's like uh, the, the one thing about Mazatlan, it's crazy humid. It's not like Cabo where we've been where it's really dry heat. Yeah. It's this nasty, sticky, humid heat. And so to say that, like, my, you know, bag full of clothes that had been sweating for a week oh. was probably not pleasant would be an understatement. And I remember, <laughs> I remember being pissed off that they were going through everybody's bag one at a time. And I was complaining about it. And I saw the girl open my bag, and she opens it and starts pulling stuff out. And you could just see the look on her face. She was just disgusted by this. She was like, ah. Oh. And she, like, pushed it down to the next person. Well, I was going to say, that there might be an advantage to that. Uh, it was great. I, I mean, loved have it. have diarrhea in the bag. I loved it. It gets through lickety-split. I loved it. I was like, well, that's what you get going through my bag, man. That's like a week's worth of sweaty clothes and dirty underwear. Good luck. Have fun with that. <laughs> um, but a lot of the um, other places have that red light, green light thing. Have you ever been where they have that? Where that you put your bag up on the... Oh, yeah, and yeah. they like randomly... Yeah, it's a yes. ra- you put your bag up on the counter and you press a button and it randomly goes green or red. Uh, green means go. We're not searching you. Red means you're getting searched. So you have no idea whether you're going to get... Uh, which is probably pretty smart for people like trying to smuggle stuff. It's like you have no idea. You're totally rolling the dice. You know? It's like smugglers roulette. It, it is Smuggler's Roulette. It's absolutely correct. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking game show. I'm thinking maybe network hey, reality show. You know, we need a gig. Smugglers we might be, <laughs> yeah. be This on. clearly isn't working. We might. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. We have lots and lots of people tuning in. Yeah, and right. uh, we, we should love probably, you for it. We should probably take uh, the time once again to thank everybody. Yo, I don't know what's up in Washington today, but we love you. And I, I don't know, I think that's Washington State, but there are a buttload of people from Washington on the stream today, and uh, thank you for listening for whatever reason. Can't get enough of the diarrhea talk. I guess, yeah. <laughs> the poop and, look, pee, probably, poop and looking, pee and slapping ass talk. That's what, Looking for Mazatlan travel tips. Yes. We'll give them to you. We'll give them to you. Whether you like what, it or not. Yeah. So you're headed to uh, Catalina, is that what you said? Yeah, I'm going is to it to LA. Catalina Wine Mixer? Uh, Catalina Island, here's the deal. Um, when I was a much younger man, I used to write for Saturday Night Live's Phil Hartman, uh, became a very good friend of mine. Um, they, his life ended horribly. And uh, I got contacted by this guy, Mike Thomas, who used to write for the Chicago Sun-Times. He wrote the authorized Phil Hartman biography, and we became very good friends as I worked on that book with him. And uh, about six months ago, he contacted me and said, on September 24th, Phil Hartman would have turned 75 years old. Mm, it's hard to imagine that, but yeah. I know, it's crazy. He's been dead for 25 years. That's nuts. It feels it's, like it's yesterday. Insane. Yeah. So he said, uh, how about you and me? Uh, we haven't seen each other in a little while. We fly out to L.A. We ferry out to Catalina Island, which was his favorite spot in the world, mm. on the 24th, which would have been his 75th. We walk into his favorite bar and we toast him. And, uh, and thank him for everything that he did for you and, and how he entertained everybody and w- what a great man he was. And I said, that sounds like an awesome idea. So that's uh, that's what I'm going to be doing unless I get COVID while I'm there <laughs> and I get stuck in a hotel room and I'll, I'll pay an extra, you know, $1,500 being stuck in a room because I don't want to get people uh, sick on a plane. What are the rules now? Like, I don't even know what the, that's the thing. I don't even know what the rules are now. Well, like, you know, the, the, the rules are kind of the same. Uh, wear a mask if you're nervous about it. But no, but if you, you get stories. COVID, what's the story now? They're saying if you aren't feeling well, please don't travel. That's essentially. But what that's pretty saying. much it, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and I think too, if you test positive for COVID, you're not supposed to get on a plane. Sure. But how many friends do you have 
who at the time said, oh, I'm not getting stuck there for another five days. Yeah, and they just right. hopped on a plane. And that was when we were talking about the strain that was legit killing people right, the first left one. and yeah. right, yeah. like yep. my mom. And I was like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. So, uh, But but the, the thing that really sucked about my trip back on Spirit Airlines from when I visited you was I felt fine. I pulled into the driveway. My wife had picked me up. I walk into the house, and that's when I got my first symptom. And and then when I eventually had COVID, I'm like, holy crap, I probably infected a number of people on the plane. But mm. I didn't even know because it takes know. a few days for it to. Yeah. And really I, I think start I was I was uh, about to text you or call you and tell you that I wasn't feeling well, and, and it, it was literally within the same minute. You're like, dude, I got bad news. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, that well that explains it. Yep. And if you're like me, like, uh, and we got I, it. I, I don't know if you got it flying and gave it to me, or if we got it down at Helium at the comedy club. We went right. out to see Pat House, uh, awesome comedian, local. He's gonna dude. be a guest on the show eventually. Yeah, right? he is. He, he he absolutely said he wanted to come on. Um, so I'll invite him up into the man cave here, hook up another microphone, and <laughs> be like, I'll give him a white claw. <laughs> He'll love it, man. He'll love it. But uh, fantastic comedian, local to Philadelphia, and we went to see his show at uh, Helium, and that's where. Well, the next day we had a hangover and COVID. (laughs) Well, and the thing is, too, I don't know what your experience has been like, um, especially, too, because, again, I lost my mom to it. Whenever I would get even a sniffle, I would run out and I would get the home test. I I took many of those and and would wait the allotted time and there would be no sign of of any problem. I I felt like a woman who was trying to get pregnant, just like waiting for whatever line I did or didn't want to see. And... um, the time that I took the COVID test when I had it, l- legitimately within a quarter of a second of me putting it in the thing, it was like, COVID! <laughs> right away. <laughs> right, right. No doubt. Hey, you want to hear an interesting statistic? Um, if you had to uh, go back and look at some of your morning show numbers, and the thing about drive time radio, if we're, if we're just kind of letting you behind the curtain here a little bit, is that um, drive time radio is crazy popular. It's the, the most listened to time of the day, morning drive or afternoon drive, for the obvious reasons. People are commuting to and from work. Um, but the average time spent listening um, is usually about seven minutes, right? For well, any radio, even the most popular radio stations in the country. And in a lot of markets, too, it's for the length of your commute. If you can get people yes. to stay, stay listening for the, yes. the entire length of their commute, even right. if it's 15 minutes, that is solid gold for radio. Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, And a lot of people don't get that. And, and, you know, I used to explain that to people when they would complain about songs, you know, repeating. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you played this song three times today. And I was like, dude, you are the 1% that <laughs> listen all day. Yep. Our average person listens for eight minutes right they tune in and out throughout the day in the morning at night you know and you know really good morning shows will have more time spent listening uh because people will tune in earlier while while they're still at home or they'll sit in their car and wait to hear the end of a break before they go in and people always i used to do that with stern all the time oh yeah he would be he would get me so pulled into something I, i i literally sat in a car in a parking lot outside of work in denver uh, listening to Stern play Trivial Pursuit with the other people on the show. That's how good he was. And people always assume that ratings were just the number of people listening, but it is a combination of how many and for how long. Correct, correct. How many people tune in, um, You know, which is your cum, and then uh, time spent listening is how long did they listen for on average, and then it gets into quarter hours. It's all stuff you don't want to hear about, trust me. But um, if... You had to guess your average time spent listening on your morning drive show. What do you think it was? Oh, God. Like I said, if we had somebody 
who was doing 15 minutes every morning. That was amazing. That was, yeah. That'll take you to number one. There's, I mean, there was no, if every listener did that, there's no way they could have fired me. Oh, they probably still would. Oh, they still would have. Dude, yeah. because I, I, had, I had almost all my listeners doing that and was number one in the market for 17 plus years, and they still uh, let it happen. Yeah. Um, our uh, average time spent listening today, mm-hmm. 25 minutes. Holy That shit. is like <laughs> unheard of. I don't know what's wrong with that people. That is insane. I don't know if you're just so high you can't get up and shut it off. Or <laughs> what the deal is, but that's that's almost unheard of. It oh is unheard of. God, well, you know, and already, like we said, we we've got thousands of people listening. We've already got them listening twenty five minutes that's, at a time. That just blows me away. Hey, get away. Rob Fett on the phone. We got to talk about a raise here. <laughs> raise from zero to. I want my. Where do you pay hey, hey, quadruples? Look, we can only <laughs> go up from zero. Right, we can only go up from zero. Oh, I mean, but again, all we can do is thank you that you've been tolerating. Yeah, yeah. No, we really... talk essentially for the last twenty five minutes. Yeah, uh, and we're having fun, and that's all that matters. This is uh... well, and that was the other thing you and I said today. We were talking about the prospect of going back to the way that it was, right? And, and I think we both got a shiver down our spine, yeah, and a knot in our stomach because this has been so much fun. And I've been reading some of the comments on socials, and this is something you never hear about me, where some of my listeners. In promoting this show on other pages, I've never heard Brian sound so happy. And, and to, to them, this is what happy sounds like for me. So you can only imagine yeah. what I sounded like <laughs> on the other station. <laughs> oh, I just discovered a new feature on our dashboard here, too. What's uh, up? Because, you know, I've been saying all uh, throughout the show, it's like, what is up with Washington? And we were trying to figure out if it was D.C. or the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the state, and it looks like it's Seattle. How about yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Rob's got a bunch of friends out there. I don't know. Good if you're thing. listening in Washington, we would yeah, love right. for you to jump on uh, Facebook and head to Jackson and the Pharmacist, J-A-X-O-N and the Pharmacist, and uh, tell us how you heard about us, how you heard about the station, uh, and what enticed you to listen uh, in Seattle today. Love it. And share share that page with your friends, too. Yeah, please. Uh, that's the deal. The only way we're going to start getting paid is if as many people are listening as possible. We want to... Increase the cue. We've already got the time spent listening. There you go. Let's get that cue up. There you go. Well, we're about to, uh, ready to say goodbye. It looks like we're going to get cut off any... Uh, yeah, no it, Van Halen today. It, Again. It, I, I'll play it tomorrow, and I also want to talk about the uh, the thing that uh, goes on in our industry tomorrow called ghosting, where, ah. where you're like you know talking to someone every day, and then all of a sudden they just fall off the face of the earth, mm-hmm. and you don't hear another word from them, and you're like, that is not... This is so unfreaking professional. Um, anyway, we are going to get cut off. So thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we will see you back here tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock on the Ground Control Radio Network. Say goodbye, Brian.